Good morning, church. All right. So myself and Pastor Doug, we, we've been uh, gone this past week, uh, but in God's providence, this gives a, a wonderful opportunity for us to sit underneath the preach word and for uh, Jeremy uh, Smith to provide that for us. Jeremy and his wife, Sarah, have been here for about 10 years. Uh, they've been members for five. They have wonderful children, Caleb and Hannah. For most of this time uh, at the church, uh, Jeremy has been a home group leader. He also helps serve in the children's ministry. Uh, his wife, Sarah, helps, uh, as I'm sure a lot of you know, uh, put on our fantastic VBS program, but also helps within the women's ministry uh, as well. Thank you, Sarah, for freeing up Jeremy uh, to prepare this sermon. Um, well, we're grateful. Thank you. Um, so as most of you know, I, I, I hope, uh, Doug and I have been doing some preaching classes uh, over the last year uh, or so, and Jeremy has done two of those, and uh, it is clear uh, God's grace in his life um, to be able to navigate through God's word and to be able to uh, put it together in a way that is uh, edifying to God's people. And so we're eager uh, for him to preach God's word for you this morning. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Grateful to God for you. Well, good morning. Uh, as Stuart shared, my name is Jeremy Smith. I'm one of the home group leaders here at Grace, and I have the privilege of sitting under God's word with all of you this morning. We're going to be continuing in our study of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. If you could go ahead and there, turn there with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 12 and 13. This section continues Paul's exhortation that he started at the beginning of chapter 4, where the main idea was that we are to be ever growing and pleasing God, learning how he calls us to think and live and speak in more and more areas of our lives so that we might please him more. And the area that we're going to look at today comes from verses 12 and 13, the relationship we're to have with our church elders. Please read with me there. We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, hearing those verses, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, respect those who labor among us, esteem them very highly, be at peace. Great, let's grab lunch. <laughs> Not so fast. Sometimes when we read God's word, we don't take the time to pause and draw out and really wrestle with what God's word is telling us. These are the words of God. And Paul wrote them for us because they meant something. He wanted to convict us, to challenge us, to teach us something about God and something about ourselves, and to encourage us to greater faith and holiness. And that's my prayer for us today, too. As we go through our passage, we're going to unpack the main idea that as believers, we are to grow in our love and respect for our elders because of the work they do among us. Now, before we dive in, I want to make four observations about our passage today. First, the responsibilities that Paul describes, they, are, they labor among you, they are over you in the Lord, and they admonish you, are all the responsibilities of the elders in the church. And we know from the way that the sentence is constructed in the original Greek that the group Paul is referring to here does all of those things, not just some of them. So that's where we get the idea that Paul is talking about elders. Second, did you notice a theme in these responsibilities? Who else labored for us, 
sacrificing himself and pouring himself out for us? Who else is over us as head of the church? And who else warns us and teaches us, bringing us the words of eternal life? Jesus is our chief shepherd, our high priest, the head of the church. And yet the perfect, all-powerful, holy Savior saw fit to leave us with human elders, still imperfect, still struggling with sin, just like us, to guide and care for his church here on earth. And before you think we might be getting the short end of that deal, consider with me for a moment what a great kindness that was for God to give us leaders who could live among us, who could help apply the truth of God's word to our lives, to our culture, who could give us practical wisdom and leadership in our daily lives, leaders who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who can love, laugh, and cry with us, who can encourage us when they see growth in our faith, and who can warn us when they see us straying into sin and holiness. We love and respect our elders because they are serving on Christ's behalf for us, being his hands and feet and mouthpiece here on earth. And just like we love and respect our Savior, we ought to love and respect our elders he has put in place over us, leading and caring for us. The third and fourth observations we have come from the text itself. We want to take a closer look at the word that Paul uses for respect and the phrase, esteem them very highly in love. And both of those things are what we're told to do toward our elders. First, the word that Paul uses for respect here is interesting. Respect is a good way to translate the word based on the context, but the literal meaning of the word is to understand or to know something. And this isn't the kind of knowing where you just know the facts of something. It's the kind of understanding where you know the fullness of something, and that knowledge influences and impacts how you feel or act or think towards that thing. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We all have had parents, and we all understand on some level that parenting is work. But I know for me, it wasn't until I had children of my own that I understood at a deeper level all that my parents had done for me, how hard they had worked, how much they had sacrificed, how it was often a messy, thankless, defeating job. And, and that fuller understanding changed how I thought about them. I had always been grateful and had always loved them for how they had raised me and cared for me. But being a parent myself and having that deeper understanding changed how I thought about my parents. Paul has the same idea here. He's been telling us throughout Thessalonians to be growing in our faith and growing in our holiness. And he's telling us to grow in this area. We need to fully understand all that our elders do for us. And if we do, that will provoke a response in our hearts to love and respect our elders more and more. The other part of the text that we need to pay special attention to is the phrase, esteeming them very highly in love. It's also pretty straightforward, but I want to highlight the adverb here, very highly. The Greek word means exceedingly or beyond measure. Our love for our elders should be beyond measure. We're not called for a, a modest respect or a mild appreciation for our elders. We're told to love them beyond measure. This is similar to the theme we've been talking about, where our faith and holiness and brotherly love are supposed to be growing, 
And Paul is telling us to be growing our love and respect for our elders beyond measure. And it's no accident that Paul uses the same Greek word in 1 Thessalonians 3.10 when he says how earnestly he desires to see them, to supply what is lacking in their faith. Our love for our elders is matched by their care and concern for us. And both should be beyond measure. Okay, so if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes, we're going to have three main points today. Since Paul wants us to fully understand all that our elders do, we're going to walk through the three things that Paul says elders do for us. Those form the the why we should respect and love our elders. And then as we go through each of those, we're going to look at what our response should be to those things. What does it look like to love and respect our elders in each of those areas? And as we do that, we're going to unpack our main idea that as Christians, we're we're supposed to be growing more and more in our love and respect for our elders because of the work they do for us. Let's get started. The first thing Paul says they do is that they labor among us. The word labor here has the idea of toil and sacrifice. Our elders toil and sacrifice for us. Paul was a great example of this toil and sacrifice in the church. While he repeatedly taught throughout the New Testament that pastors had the right to be paid for their work, he made it his habit to toil hard as a tent maker to support himself, while he would also toil and sacrifice in his work planting churches, sacrificing his right to be paid out of love for the church. Likewise, our elders toil and sacrifice for us. They could spend more time at home with their families or make more money if they worked somewhere else but they've chosen to toil and sacrifice for us. Several of us guys had the opportunity to go through a preach class this past spring, uh, and we would prepare and deliver a short sermon for the group. And one of the things that we all marveled about was how Pastor Doug and Pastor Stewart do that each week, every week, on top of everything else they do. Our elders have a full schedule, overseeing the ministries of the church, counseling people who need it, discipling others, praying for and with members of the church, teaching invest classes or the youth, leading home group, leading men's ministry, visiting folks in the hospital. It is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year ministry of toil and sacrifice. And they do this because they love us, because they care for us and our faith. They are investing in our lives and in our souls. They know their people live in a battlefield of sin, They know their people live in a broken, painful world. They know their people wrestle with how to live out their faith in this world. And so our elders wade in. They know the stakes are too high to take this lightly. They toil and sacrifice for us, build us up in our faith so they can protect us from wrong teaching and wrong living. Our elders shed blood, sweat, and tears for us. They toil and sacrifice for us. So knowing all that, understanding all that, the fullness of how our elders toil and sacrifice for us, how should we respond to that? What should our response be to their toil and sacrifice? First, we need to remember that elders are serving on Christ's behalf. They are echoing in a flawed and imperfect way his sacrifice for us. So our response to them should echo our response to Christ. 
when we read through the Gospels and see how much Christ toiled for us, how he suffered for us, how he sacrificed for us, how he battled against sin and death for us, how night and day he prayed and taught the people, we should be overwhelmed with gratefulness and love for Jesus. Likewise, when we see the work that our elders do for us, we should be grateful and love our elders. I don't want to give you a list of top three ways to love and be grateful to your elders. Uh, These are our heart issues and heart responses, but I do want to give you some food for thought and some questions to consider. Do you ever find yourself taking for granted the work your elders do for you? When was the last time you thanked them? When was the last time you prayed for them? How have you showed your love and gratefulness to your elders. I think the parenting example is a good reminder here. As children, we were often focused on ourselves and unaware and unthankful for everything our children did, for everything our parents did for us. Don't make that same mistake with our elders. Respect them. Esteem them very highly in love. Respond to their toil and sacrifice with gratefulness and love. The second thing that Paul says our elders do is that they are over us in the Lord. They are over us in the Lord. Elders are often referred to as shepherds, which is a helpful term, because just like a shepherd is in charge of the sheep and leads and cares for them, our elders lead and care for us. We may not always associate leading and caring together, but that's exactly the connotation Paul is going for here. Our leaders aren't simply in charge over us as tyrannical taskmasters. They're charged to love us, to care for us, to protect us in the Lord. And that phrase, in the Lord, is important because it says where they get their authority from. Just like God has given parents authority to care and protect for their children, he gives authority to the elders to care and lead his church. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that their elders are indeed over them, They have authority, and we should submit to them, but their authority is not for themselves. It is given to them by Christ to do his will and his work, not their own. They are to lead us, to care for us, to watch over us, to help us grow in our faith, to help us avoid sin, because that's the charge they've received from Christ. We see that modeled by Paul in this letter. He cares intensely for their faith. He wants them to grow in their faith and gives them commands and encouragements to help them become more and more like Jesus. Paul doesn't exercise his authority for earthly gain. He exercises his authority to lead them into greater and greater faith and holiness. He gives them commands and instructions and expects them to follow it, but he does so for their good. You cannot read 1 Thessalonians without feeling the tremendous care that Paul has for his people. He longs to see them, to encourage them, and to build them up in their faith. He longs to see them grow in faith, holiness, and love. And so he leads and cares for them, giving them commands and instructions, overseeing them in the Lord. So how do we respond to our elders' lead and care for us? Hebrews 13, 17 is helpful. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Our elders are keeping watch over our souls. They will stand before God one day and give an account for how they led and cared for us. And so Hebrews tells us to obey them and submit to them so that they can lead us with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to us. We are to obey our elders and submit to them. Now, as fully grown adults, we may bristle at the idea of being told to obey and submit to another sinful adult. As Americans, we tend to be pretty independent, and we love our freedom. We love being able to vote for our leaders. We grumble against homeowners associations and zoning laws. I do too. Uh, And we'll quit a job and leave a boss that we don't like. But God's calling us to something different here. Our passage in Hebrews 13 are crystal clear. There's no room for doubt. And this is a helpful reminder and warning to us. God's word is offensive at times. It does put us back on our guard at times. But when that happens, the problem is not with God's word. It's with us. And it's because we are not God. We still have sin in our hearts. And when that sin is challenged and exposed, we get uncomfortable. We get offended. Surely that can't be what that verse means. Surely God doesn't expect that. But when we have that reaction, we need to lean in all the more and submit to God's word. To trust him, not our own hearts. Because we know that he is God and we are sinfully human. And so we're called to do the same with our elders. We're called to humbly submit to their leadership, following their direction, putting ourselves under their authority. So how do we know if we're doing this? First off, did you bristle when I first brought this up? That could be an indicator of where your heart is on this. Maybe you think you should be the one calling the shots. Maybe you think you know best. You may be doubting that your elders are making the best decisions or that they have your best interests at heart. This should remind us a little of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where the snake whispered into Eve's ear, God is holding out on you. He doesn't want you to know what he knows, to be like him. You can be like God if you want. And so Eve believed the lie and broke the one law that God gave them and ate the forbidden fruit. She thought she knew better. She thought God was holding out on them. And so she threw off God's leadership and tried to make herself equal with God. It may be counterintuitive, but it is God's kindness and provision to us to give us fallen human elders to obey and submit to. What an exercise in faith that is. We need to trust that God knows what he's doing. He put those elders in place for a reason, knowing they weren't perfect, knowing they would make mistakes, knowing it would be hard to obey and submit to them at times. But he knew that would be what was best for us. He knew that would help us mold our hearts so that just like we obey and submit to them, we will obey and submit to him. Even when it doesn't make sense to us. Even when it's hard even when it hurts. 
So let's do another heart check. Is your first inclination to trust your elders or be suspicious of them and question them? When an elder teaches something that offends or disturbs you, is your first response to get angry or write them off? That's just their opinion. Or do you pause to consider what they've said? Do you search the scriptures to see if it lines up with God's word? Do you search your own heart, knowing we can be blinded by our sin? And do you trust that God provided these elders to protect and, love and lead you? One last note on this before we move on. Obeying and submitting to our elders doesn't mean we can't ask questions. It doesn't mean we can't raise concerns, and it doesn't mean we can't have a difference of opinion. But it does mean we ask for questions with love and respect in the highest measure. When it's a matter of preference, what ministry direction we're going in, what kind of communion bread we use, fill in the blank, we can lovingly and respectfully offer our opinion, but at the end of the day, we submit to our elders' leadership. When it's a more serious matter, when it's a matter of sin or doctrine, or when an elder is not leading in the Lord, but rather leading in his own wisdom and for his own purposes, then we need to engage with our elders, lovingly and respectfully raising our concerns, searching out the scriptures, seeking godly counsel, questioning our own hearts and motives. And if you find you still cannot submit to your elders' leadership, then you have two options. You can go in peace, Understanding that there may be times when to preserve the bond of peace and unity, it's better to separate, like Paul separated from John Mark. We are broken believers under the authority of broken elders living in a broken world. Not everything is going to be sorted out this side of heaven. Or in the case where an elder may be sinning, then we follow the procedure God has laid out for us in 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Finally, the third and last thing from our passage that our elders do for us is that they admonish us. In other words, our elders warn and instruct us. They warn and instruct us. And this is a natural outflow from their leadership and care for us. Just like a parent warns their child to avoid something dangerous or teaches them or trains them to do something that will be helpful, our elders warn and instruct us in our faith. When they see things in our lives or in our church, they warn us with truth from God's word to submit our lives to God's authority and what he's commanded us to do. They warn us against disobedience and they teach us, they train us how we can grow in our faith and holiness. As we've heard throughout our series in Thessalonians, their greatest concern for us is the growing of our faith. And they will warn and instruct us to keep us growing more and more like Christ. And our response to our elders' warnings and instruction should be similar to our response to their leadership and care. We should listen to them. If we're truly submitting and obeying them, then we're going to take what they say seriously. Yes, take what your elders say and pray over it and compare it to God's word, but don't just ignore or take lightly the warnings and instructions of your elders. If you disagree with them, talk through it with them. 
It may be that you're still not seeing everything in the complete picture. Or it may be, as iron sharpens iron, you will help them see something in a different light. But don't say to yourself as you're listening to a sermon, yes, well, he doesn't really understand how my situation is different. Don't say, that's just his opinion. Those are dangerous words, and they probably say more about our own heart and our struggle to submit to God's authority than we'd like to admit. If your elders are being faithful to their calling, then they will only be sharing what they believe are clear commands from Scripture. And God has put them in your life for a reason. Unless they're asking you to sin, trust in the wisdom and provision of God. Their warnings and their instructions, especially if it offends or disturbs you, may just be God's word convicting you and pricking your heart about some sin we may be blind to. And if we don't listen to their warnings and instruction, that sin may just destroy us. Let me add, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Christ, the idea of submitting to and obeying an imperfect church leader probably sounds like a lot to swallow. But let me remind you, we only obey and submit to our elders because we obey and submit to Christ. So the bigger question is, will you obey and submit to Christ? Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he is the only way to be saved. But Christ is unlike any leader you have ever known. He loved you enough to die for you, to pay the penalty that your sins and my sins deserve. And if you trust in him, if you submit your life to him, he will change your life. He promises he will never leave you. He promises a place in heaven with him forever. He promises to love you with a never-ending, never-giving-up, always-and-forever love. And until that day you meet your Savior face-to-face in heaven, he promises to leave you with human leaders, elders, who love you. And by God's grace and God's strength, toil and sacrifice for you. Lead and care for you. Warn and instruct you. As we wrap up our time together this morning, I want to leave you with the last command in our passage. Be at peace among yourselves. This isn't a vague suggestion or hope, and it doesn't just happen by accident. It's a command. And it should be a byproduct of living out these earlier two verses. The word in the Greek has a sense of cultivating peace. God is a God of order, and he's given us leaders who can help guide us and lead us toward peace. If we are obeying and submitting to our elders, we will be cultivating peace. If we are grateful and loving to our elders, we will be cultivating peace. If we are listening to our elders, we will be cultivating peace. If you want an example of what that doesn't look like, just think back to the last long family car trip you had. (laughs) Yep, we've all been there, not exactly cultivating peace. But we are commanded to cultivate peace. And we are able to cultivate peace because we have peace with God. We used to be enemies of God. Before we were saved, we lived for number one. We lived for ourselves. We were the most important thing. And if somebody wronged us, we would lash out. If we thought we had the best idea, we would fight for it. If we felt like we weren't able to do what we wanted, we would go our own way. 
But now we have peace with God. Now we submit ourselves to God. Now we humble ourselves before God. Now we pour out our lives for him instead of for ourselves. In the same way, we should do that with each other and with our elders, submitting to their leadership and care, being grateful and loving for their work for us, listening to them and following their instruction, not fighting against them or each other, not arguing, not seeking to have our own way, respecting them because of their work for us and esteeming them very highly in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it challenges us and grows us to become more like your son. Thank you that you gave us Christ as the example of the chief shepherd. And thank you that you have given us our elders as under shepherds for us here on earth. Help us understand the work that they do for us and help that provoke in our hearts a response to love them and respect them. We know we cannot do this apart from your strength and your power. We pray these things in your name. Amen.